Welcome to the EMSO Talks Podcast. Hello, everybody. Um, welcome to the next episode of uh, EMSO Talks. I'm Patrick Esteruelas, uh, Head of Research at EMSO Asset Management. Um, I'm joined today by uh, my colleague and uh, Chief Strategist at EMSO, uh, Ivailo Veselinov, uh, to uh, discuss uh, our hot takes uh, from uh, the uh, meetings on the sideline of the uh, IMF Spring Meetings. It was uh, extremely exciting um, you know, to be able to uh, see both uh, policymakers as well as uh, colleagues and friends from the market uh, face-to-face uh, over the course of a week for the first time uh, in uh, over two years. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, there was uh, you know, a very you know, clear, sour mood um, you know, among uh, you know, participants uh, uh, and policymakers alike um, about the uh, you know, challenges that we're facing uh, over the course of the next cycle uh, with uh, offsetting concerns on inflation on the one hand um, and potential downside risk to growth over the medium term on the other. Um, Ivailo, um, what were um, the big picture themes that uh, you, know, you would say um, you, know, you took uh, from uh, a week's worth of meetings? Thank you very much, Patrick. I think you've hit the nail on the head. Uh, by far, the most important concerns that uh, we heard from both investors and policymakers over the course of the week of the IMF meetings uh, were to do with uh, the inflation outlook and, and further down the line, also what happens to uh, global growth. Um, I think uh, on the inflation front, uh, that was very much expected, given that we are seeing you know, inflation at 40-year highs in some of the developed markets, in particular in the U.S., uh, but also um, uh, becoming more of a problem in, in other jurisdictions as well. Um, and uh, in a number of emerging market countries, we're also seeing very sizable inflation overshoots. Um, in some cases, uh, sort of quarter of a century highs in some of the headline uh, CPI figures uh, and, and core inflation clearly also running very, very hot. Um, I think the, 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 the fact that the policymakers were uh, both aware of the risks and, and actively addressing market concerns over the course of uh, the week uh, was uh, well received. Um, that was most notable, perhaps, uh, in the case of uh, developed market central bankers. We did see the rhetoric and the tone sort of change progressively towards a more hawkish stance over the course of the week. I think the one that probably stands out the most uh, would be the, the ECB, the European Central Bank. Uh, where uh, clearly um, inflation uh, is becoming much more of a consideration going forward. Uh, So we saw the discussions around potential liftoff after uh, keeping rates on hold um, at the record low for such a long time. Uh, Those those conversations uh, intensified over the course of the week, and we also saw that reflected in the the price action. Um, But we've also seen similar responses from other policymakers, uh, and overall I think that's a theme that has uh, a lot further to run in the coming uh, weeks. Uh, as we as we see central bankers starting to starting to address uh, some of these inflation concerns, um, at the same time as you highlighted, um, I think there is also uh, a very important uh, concern uh, out there amongst uh, policymakers and investors about what comes further down the line, and uh, you know we do have um, rising concerns about uh, growth. For a number of reasons, uh, there are clearly uh, a number of shocks to the global economy that we are experiencing um, at the moment. Uh, but of course, the aforementioned outlook for monetary policy tightening only adds further to the pressure on, on growth on a, on a medium term horizon. 
Um, this was uh, perhaps somewhat less discussed than the inflation uh, concern. Uh, and I think there is a very important sequencing here to consider for the markets. But I would expect uh, growth concerns to become uh, much more dominant in, in the markets thinking about uh, the outlook for policy uh, over the coming months. Um, other themes uh, that were very widely discussed uh, will again come as no surprise, perhaps um, in particular the war uh, uh, between Russia and Ukraine uh, was pretty much part of every single conversation. Um, in, in a lot of cases, of course, there is a direct impact, um, but uh, pretty much every single market out there is impacted, uh, at least indirectly, when it comes to uh, the outlook for, for commodity prices in particular, energy prices, uh, food prices. Uh, these are themes that, uh, again, will be discussed uh, for many months to come, uh, we believe, especially given our baseline assumption that uh, the conflict in Ukraine is unlikely to be resolved anytime soon. The other key theme of the week uh, was the uh, outlook for China, where um, investors in particular seem to have relatively little confidence um, and, and lack of visibility about uh, the outlook for both economic policies and what the economy will do going forward. Uh, there is clearly a tension at present uh, between what is um, increasingly seen as a, as a more uh, is, is a rather ambitious growth target for this year, 5.5% for real GDP growth on the one hand, uh, and on the other, this insistence to, to stick with a zero COVID policies, uh, which is clearly uh, impacting economic activity on the ground. Uh, I think uh, which way uh, the, the dust settles on this particular issue will be very important for markets, not just for China itself, but for the rest of the uh, EM complex. On that note, Patrick, um, I would like to ask you what were your takeaways with respect to emerging markets in particular, given this highly uncertain outlook for global growth, for what China will do and how the Russia-Ukraine conflict will play out going forward? Thank you, Ivailo. Um, starting with um, uh, dollar credit, um, you know, I feel that um, you know, emerging market dollar credit, I mean, is uh, you know, stuck between uh, you know, concerns over a hawkish, you know, G10 monetary policy setup on the one hand, I mean, that has been, you know, driving up core rates um, and, you know, concerns over, you know, global growth rolling over on the other, which, uh, you know, typically, um, you know, high yield uh, credit in particular uh, tends to be quite sensitive to. Um, all that said, um, you know, when we look at, um, you know, valuations, uh, we see um, a lot of value being created in this space, and, you know, particularly, uh, in the high yield and uh, you know frontier uh, you know credit space, um, when we look at um, you know long term emerging market fixed income spreads over different time periods, um, even um, after we strip out you know Russia from the uh, you know MB uh, you know global index um, you know as of um, uh, you know early this year, um, you know we find that um, you know whilst um, um, investment grade, um, you know, fixed income, um, you know, suddenly, um, you know, continues to, uh, you know, look expensive um, as a spread to, uh, you know, USIG. Um, um, emerging market, uh, you know, high yield, uh, you know, credit, on the other hand, um, you know, screens, uh, you know, cheap to very cheap, um, you know, when compared to, um, you know, uh, US high yield and, uh, and, and on an absolute uh, basis. Um, um, you know, we're mindful, however, of the fact that, um, uh, you know, with um, 
you know, the market's still, uh, you know, very much trading skittishly and, um, and with, uh, you know, overweight positions, uh, you know, being subject to, uh, you know, profit taking and redemption risk. Um, you have to be very selective uh, about which opportunities to uh, zero in on or uh, focus on. Um, so um, we, you know, try to, you know, focus on a number of, um, you know, idiosyncratic opportunities that we think will be or should be less beta sensitive, where a lot of bad news is already in the price and where we see, um, you know, a potential positive catalysts, um, uh, you know, redriving prices uh, higher, in some cases over uh, an extended, um, um, you know, horizon period. Um, uh, one of these is, um, you know, Argentina, um, which um, um, uh, amazingly has been something of a safe haven uh, within the high yield space, uh, you know, over the course of the, uh, um, you know, last um, in a couple of months, uh, but, um, you know, which we think remains a valid, um, you know, medium term uh, regime change story. Um, you know, clearly, um, you know, Argentina's, uh, you know, recent uh, program agreement with the fund, um, you know, I think will be tested potentially earlier uh, than, um, you know, both sides anticipated with, um, um, you know, very high inflation prints um, uh, um, above, uh, you know, 6% over the course of the last month um, um, and uh, and limited reserve accumulation, um, you know, questioning whether Argentina will be able to, uh, you know, fulfill the you know, very generous and lenient targets that the IMF has otherwise set for Argentina over the course of this year and next year. Um, but um, it was quite clear to us, I mean, that, um, you know, both parties are keen on uh, uh, avoiding uh, a situation where Argentina will be forced, um, you know, into arrears um, and that we will see, uh, you know, something of a marriage of convenience, um, you know, between both sets of factors, uh, you know, over the near term, you know, positioning the market then to, uh, you know, focus on uh, regime change probabilities, which we think are not only very high, um, but are uh, increasing, uh, you know, over the course, uh, you know, of uh, every month that passes by uh, in, in a context where uh, the combination of uh, low growth and high inflation is enormously challenging for the incumbent and Peronism's, uh, you know, ability to reelect itself. Um, another country that, um, you know, we feel also, you know, presents value is, um, you know, Ecuador. Um, you know, throughout our meetings, um, I think the Ecuadorian, um, you know, government officials were, um, uh, you know, very, um, you know, good at, uh, you know, reinforcing, uh, you know, the fact that Ecuador has um, amply exceeded, um, uh, you know, the IMF's, um, you know, program, uh, you know, criteria um, and uh, is uh, in a position to potentially generate its first, uh, you know, primary surplus uh, in, uh, you know, over uh, 14 years uh, with, um, you know, significant accumulation of external buffers, um, you know, thanks in no small part, of course, to uh, much higher oil prices than they uh, budgeted. Um, and the IMF was, uh, you know, effusive um, in its, um, um, you know, praise of the, you know, Ecuadorian authorities, um, you know, and their um, uh, compliance, uh, you know, with the, uh, you know, targets and, uh, you know, the overall criteria and goals set out by the program uh, writ large. Um, uh, there is, uh, you know, obviously a, a not insignificant amount of, uh, you know, political risk premium. Um, as uh, you know, the market um, you know becomes concerned about the possibility that um, this administration, which is barely a year into office, uh, you know, could uh, you know potentially be toppled or could um, you know call a, a referendum. Um, you know, following the dissolution of the National Assembly that could put, um, uh, you know, both uh, the National Assembly and the presidency at stake uh, and uh, and reshuffle the political setup, um, you know, but, uh, you know, we think these risks uh, are exaggerated. Um, uh, another
another um, you know country that we also you know came out of the IMF meetings um, uh, with a continued bullish position on is uh, Zambia, um, you know which of course uh, you know has seen um, uh, a significant turnaround. I mean since uh, you know the elections uh, you know last year, um, but um, uh, which uh, you know was awaiting uh, a green light uh, from uh, the Chinese authorities, uh, you know as to their participation in a creditor committee uh, that would uh, you know pave the way uh, you know for a broader um, you know private. Um, you know, accreditor restructuring, uh, which we think, you know, should result in, um, you know, generous recovery values uh, above and beyond, uh, you know, where prices are today. Uh, with um, uh, the, uh, you know, Chinese PBOC, uh, you know, having, uh, you know, reportedly, um, you know, uh, sent a signal to the IMF that they will be effectively playing ball, uh, you know, we are more and more comfortable around the asymmetric risk setup uh, for Zambia going forward. Um, and then finally, um, in Ukraine, uh, while ongoing fighting uh, is, uh, you know, going to continue to weigh on valuations, uh, you know, we think that, um, you know, Russia's rapidly depleted offensive capabilities uh, with little to no progress in this, uh, you know, second phase of the conflict, um, uh, you know, suggests we could see a move to a lower intensity conflict, uh, you know, sooner than people think. Uh, even though we don't see the war uh, ending, uh, in fact, um, it could go on for months, if not years, um, you know, we think that, um, you know, the uh, overall uh, temperature is likely to come down, uh, you know, as, uh, you know, both forces, particularly Russian forces, are subject to attrition. Um, and, um, and and we think that um, uh, it will be a conflict that will be more and more territorially confined and constrained, um, which, um, you know, together with... Um, um, uh, you know, phenomenally solid international financial support, uh, you know, we think, uh, you know, should um, continue to support Ukraine's, um, uh, you know, ability to pay and, uh, you know, ultimate, uh, you know, recovery value in, you know, what is likely to be an inevitable debt restructuring going forward. Um, that is, you know, the opportunity set as we see it uh, in emerging market credit. Um, Ivailo, where did you see, you know, pockets of opportunity emerging uh, in rates and FX? Well, Patrick, I thought your comment about the need to be uh, selective was very interesting uh, because that was very much my impression also uh, from my conversations with both policymakers and investors. Um, I noted that uh, the view on emerging markets in particular was uh, somewhat bifurcated between um, crossover investors, most of whom seem to still be uh, quite unnerved about some of these risks we discussed earlier with respect to growth and inflation and also including the lack of certainty and clarity and visibility uh, on the outlook for China. Uh, and therefore, by and large, uh, we're, we're happy to stay away or at least stay on the sidelines uh, until uh, more clarity on, on the outlook for emerging markets um, becomes apparent. But on the other hand, uh, dedicated specialists uh, did highlight that there are a number of opportunities, potential opportunities at least, within the emerging market space. And that's uh, especially true perhaps in, in the rates and FX uh, uh, markets. Uh, we, we have seen a number of central banks uh, within emerging markets being very proactive very early with some of their policy responses. Uh, to, to this inflation overshoot that we're seeing globally. Uh, and as a result, uh, they appear to have done most of the heavy lifting when it comes to uh, adjusting their, their monetary policy stance uh, in recent uh, months and quarters. Uh, just a quick sort of glance across the globe, if you want, in terms of what's been delivered. Um, you know, we've seen uh, the U.S. Fed now uh, lifting off and we've seen them uh, increase rates by a total of 75 basis points from the cycle low. Um, and there's been one or two exceptions um, uh, also uh, in the rest of the uh, DM world. In particular, New Zealand is now 130 basis points above the cycle low. 
but by and large, the major central banks have actually been relatively slow and very gradual in terms of tightening policy. As everybody knows, the ECB and the Bank of Japan are yet to, to lift off and, and, and indeed in, in negative territory in, in the latest case. Um, so overall, monetary policy conditions and, and, and rates in particular uh, remain very, very low. Um, and then if we look at the emerging markets, uh, by contrast, you know, we do have um, a couple of regions in particular uh, that are ahead of the curve. Um, certainly uh, in, in Central Europe, we've seen, you know, the likes of the Czech Republic, Poland and Hungary uh, start their monetary policy tightening cycles uh, early and being really uh, very proactive and, 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 and relatively aggressive with their, uh, with their hikes. So the cumulative hiking cycle uh, in those countries has been anything uh, from sort of 515 basis points in the case of Poland to 585 in the case of Hungary. Um, and um, that's clearly something that uh, the market has, has taken note of. Um, and it, when it comes to Latin America, if anything, actually, we've seen an even more drastic increase in policy rates. Brazil here leads the pack, of course. Uh, They've actually delivered more than a thousand basis points of uh, policy tightening since, since the cycle lows. But we've also had Chile delivering 650, uh, Colombia 425. Um, so, you know, multiple times of what we've seen uh, in, in developed markets. Um, all of this is to say that, um, you know, depending on, on which uh, market investors are focused on, uh, there are cases where uh, the bulk of this tightening process seems to be now behind us. Uh, even though headline inflation is still uh, significantly above target on a forward-looking basis, if one considers ex-ante real interest rates, uh, given the expected uh, decline in inflation uh, over sort of a 12- to 18-month horizon, uh, we're looking at uh, significantly elevated and very, very uh, meaningful real interest rates, uh, which in turn potentially could open up uh, opportunities for, for, for rates to be, to be cut down the line. Uh, and of course, that in turn would open up the, the way for, for potential receiver trades. Um, I think it's very, very important to keep in mind the underlying fundamentals uh, and not just look at uh, global inflation uh, conditions. Um, we do have to uh, differentiate between economies that have, uh, you know, tight uh, or, or even positive output gaps um, and tight labor markets. Um, and and as a number of these economies, in particular in Central Europe, were already uh, running hot um, before the, the pandemic. And they're certainly back to those conditions now, um, which means that uh, the risk of inflation being prolonged and, and the overshoot continuing for longer uh, is certainly there. Uh, but uh, there are other examples where that's not the case, and perhaps those are sort of the best, uh, the best opportunities to think in, 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 uh, about receiving rates. Um, I would highlight uh, in particular two, two candidates, maybe perhaps one from each region, uh, for, for potentially uh, seeing a peak in, in the policy rate cycle and, and perhaps being one of the first economies to start thinking about rate cuts in the medium term. Uh, in, in Eastern and Central Europe, uh, that would be the Czech Republic. Uh, they've been very, very prudent so far in terms of the uh, rate hiking cycle. Uh, but they have sent signals that uh, they're thinking about uh, fine-tuning perhaps the end of the cycle, but reaching a point where uh, they've done enough and they have to be forward-looking and think about the outlook for, for 2023 and beyond. Um, and in, in, in Latin America, that example would be Brazil. I mentioned earlier that they've uh, really led the, the, the pack in terms of the, the tightening process. Um, and they have, uh, they've also benefited from uh, exchange rate appreciation um, and inflation risks over uh, a medium term uh, horizon seem to be uh, receding, 
which um, in theory at least should allow the central bank to consider cutting rates uh, down the line. So um, I would imagine investors will be very interested to follow these two stories in particular for signs that maybe we are about to see at long last uh, turnaround in the cycle, which would be a very interesting development also given what I described earlier in terms of the developed central banks being uh, uh, behind the curve and certainly still facing a relatively prolonged period of uh, tightening policy as opposed to thinking about cutting rates. So in summary, I would say that the most important takeaway for me was that um, perhaps more than any other year, uh, at this stage of the cycle, it it seems that um, it will be very, very important to be on top of the macroeconomic fundamentals and the politics for that matter uh, across emerging markets. There are clearly opportunities out there uh, and it's going to be a very interesting 12 months ahead. Uh, but one has to be very close to to the ground and to to be able to identify which economies are doing the right things on the reform front, uh, which economies are embracing the right uh, fiscal and monetary policies, and therefore which economies are going to be rewarded uh, by investors in terms of capital inflows. Thank you very much, um, Ivailo. I, I think uh, I speak for you and uh, you know many other participants in the market. I mean, when I say that, uh, I hope this will be. You know, the first of, uh, you know, many, um, you know, IMF sideline meetings that will not be interrupted by, you know, another 100 year global pandemic. Um, and I think, uh, you know, we're all looking forward, I mean, to not only seeing each other again uh, in Washington, but, uh, you know, hopefully uh, in the uh, next meeting that will be, uh, you know, held outside of D.C. Um, thank you very much for joining me today, Vilo. Um, to the listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in. Uh, please don't hesitate to contact our uh, investor relations team if you have any questions. Thank you for listening.